Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Well, hello there, and thank you for joining me for episode 61 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. My name is Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. As a quick reminder, you can find detailed show notes for this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 61. You know, one of the biggest reasons freelancers treasure self-employment is the flexibility that it gives you. And when you're your own boss, you set the schedule, right? You pick whom you work with and you pick the projects that you take on. And, you know, granted, sometimes we have to do things that we don't necessarily want to do. Sometimes, you know, we got to bring in a client and it's not perfect, but that's fine. But, you know, overall, you get to pick these things. And one of the things you can ideally pick is also where you get to work, where you're working from. The unfortunate part of all this is that most of us don't take full advantage of our business portability, if you will. Some people might have young kids. I know I have kids. You know, you got school to deal with, right? Um, Other people have aging parents that they have to take care of. You know, maybe they got parents who live with them and they got to keep an eye on them. Or they might have a medical condition that would limit extended travel. But, you know, After talking with my colleague Steve Roller from Copywriter Cafe recently, I realized that, just for me at least, this is mostly an issue of both commitment and fear. I haven't made a working vacation a priority. I haven't really explored what I could do and where I could work from. And I think the other thing is that that fear, fear of the unknown. You know, how do I make this work? What about all these things that could come up that I'm, I'm not thinking about right now? There's a third reason that I know stops me and stops many solo professionals, which is the belief that you have to go to an exotic location, exotic location, I should say, for an extended period of time in order to really get the most out of this. And none of these things are true. There always is a way to work around these fears and misconceptions. If you're even remotely interested in travel, and in, in taking working vacations and seeing the world or seeing the rest of your country, I urge you to listen to this episode because Steve is going to really open up your mind and, and show you the different possibilities out there. He's going to talk about his own motivation for getting out of his daily environment and seeing more of the world. He's also going to talk about how he's able to make it work, and he's also going to give you many useful tips and tricks, very practical information for successful vagabonding, if you will. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It's inspirational, but it's it's practical. This is something you want to do. And uh, I tell you, it really inspired me, and it got me thinking about different things that I could do in this area and, you know, maybe kind of gradually go to where, where I would eventually want to go. This is not an either-or scenario. I think this is something you can work into little by little. So I hope you enjoy it. I'd love to hear your comments at the end. And so join the discussion on the show notes page, which are which is a b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 61. So with that, let's get to it. And I'll come back at the end with a couple of quick announcements. Steve, welcome to the show, man. It's so great to finally have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Ed. I'm looking forward to this. 
Well, you know, we're just talking a little bit offline about, um, you know, how much I've been wanting to have you in this show. And, um, you know, ever since I've seen your, your traveling adventures, uh, of course, I've been jealous. And then I told myself, you know what, I, I have to talk to Steve when he gets back, because I think you have something to share here, which is not only really exciting, but I think inspirational. And um, and I hope um, listeners will, will get that from from what you have to share. So uh, it's, it's awesome to finally have you here. Yeah, thanks. Good to connect it. I know we touched base this summer when I was gone, and it's good to good to finally do this. And I, I do hope that what I have to share will inspire people and and let people see that it's not. I think the the thing that I want people to know, and we'll get we'll get into this, is that it's not as hard as it may seem, and it doesn't take as much money as it seem as it might seem. So anyway, we'll we'll get into all that. But yeah, I, I think this will help people see that it's possible. Perfect. All right. So let, let's take, uh, let's backtrack. And, and why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, the work you do, the types of clients you work for, that sort of thing. Sure, sure. Um, I am a, I'm a full-time copywriter. I've had a copywriting business for about five and a half years now. My background is in direct sales going back to 1986. I was in direct sales for most of my career. Really enjoyed the sales process. I, I did well at it. I, uh, made some good money, won some incentive trips, had some good experiences with a couple of different companies and really enjoyed it. But um, about 10 years ago, in fact, 10 years ago this year, um, last month, I discovered this idea of copywriting, which I had never heard about before. And when I found out that I could kind of combine the idea of uh, combine my sales skills with writing, which I actually had never done before, but I liked the idea of it combine that into a uh, portable business where I could take it anywhere that really appealed to me. But what I do is, I mean, you know what a copywriter is and I know your listeners do, but I mean, essentially I write marketing messages that help businesses get more customers. That's how I explain it to people that don't know about copywriting. So I help convert readers and viewers to buyers. And as you know, it's all about connecting with your audience and writing persuasively and moving people to action. So that's what I do. I work with, um, I specialize in helping clients in the fitness, travel, and publishing industries. Um, I've worked with a chain of fitness studios in Southern California for about four and a half years and helped them grow from seven locations to about 28 today. Um, I've worked with a number of different publishing companies. I've worked with some big name copywriters like Dan Kennedy and worked on projects with him and some other people like that. Um, but I've also done a lot of work in various areas. So I don't necessarily have just one very narrow niche. I've done some things in real estate investing. I've done some financial newsletter publishing, copywriting. So kind of a wide variety of um, types of work that I've done. Okay. And and you said you've been at it for about five and a half years. Uh, did you start full-time or did you transition uh, from a part-time side gig? Yeah, I, I was doing it part-time. Actually, five and a half years is how long I've been doing it full-time, Ed. Um, so March of 2009, I left the full-time job that I had, I did transition into it. So it, it's not like I jumped off a cliff and just decided, Hey, I'm going to be a full-time copywriter. Um, kind of like you, and I know your story a little bit. Um, my background was in sales and while I was doing that kind of stuff, I was trying to transition into being a, a full-time copywriter. So I'd say it was only maybe about a year or so, a year and a half though, that I was doing it part-time 
And I didn't do it quite as successfully as you making the transition. Um, I was finding it very difficult to do my job and be a copywriter, just splitting my time, the, the mental energy and just the, the physical time of, that it took. So I, I had a very small part-time business, but I had a few steady clients. And I thought that the only way that I was ever going to make a go of it is to jump into it full-time. So um, I didn't necessarily transition seamless, seamlessly from <laughs> the part-time deal to the full-time. So it took me a while to ramp up to uh, replace what I had been making as a full-time income. Okay. Okay. Well, and, and you know, I tell people, listen, <laughs> um, it, what you never hear is the sleepless nights, you know, the seven day work, <laughs> the, right, right. the sheer amount of just mental and emotional strain. Um, it, so yeah, it, there's no heroic, uh, there's no heroics here, right? It's everyone has their <laughs> own path and right, right. you know, there's no right or wrong. So that's, I think the amazing thing though, is that you go after something you believe in and you do everything in your power to make it happen. Um, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about, uh, and then we'll kind of move into kind of the, our main discussion, but so fitness, travel, there, there, you know, your work you've done work for publishers, information marketers, and so forth. Right. Uh, what we, in, in terms of the type of work, what would you say most of your work consists of? Um, really, lately it's been two things. Um, email, I do, I do a lot of email marketing messages. So where a company needs a series of autoresponder emails, for example, um, once somebody signs up for their free report, just a series of emails that will engage the reader and just kind of build the relationship and build the trust. So writing those kind of messages, so shorter email marketing messages. I've also done quite a bit of long-form sales letters, both online and print sales letters. So, you know, everybody's seen these, the monster-length 20-page sales letters, so I've kind of done the very short stuff and the long stuff. Um, I I kind of I, I enjoy both. Um, sometimes I enjoy the quicker work that can get cranked out quicker, and that I can just spend you know a few hours on or a day or two on, versus the big projects that can take a month or so. But I enjoy both. the The nice thing, the thing that I like about the long form sales letters, is uh, that's really engaging the whole sales process and there's really an art to it and an architecture and a structure to those sales letters and um so I, i've kind of done both and, and then i've done landing pages i've done short three-minute video scripts for companies so kind of a variety of stuff but pretty much everything i'd say i do is almost everything is online these days so you know i think you're one of the only writers i know who Everyone talks about having the portable business, right? And yep. it sounds great on paper. You're <laughs> one of the few people out there who have made that model work uh, in a big way. Not just portable as in, well, you know, I, I go see my mom every other weekend, four hours away. Um, you, you've, you've really taken this to the next level. So I'm curious, what attracted you to the idea of taking what I would call long-term working vacations for part of the year? Well, a couple things. I mean, way back, this is going back to college. I took a semester off of college in uh, 1989, and I, a buddy and I just, we had a, a one-way ticket to Europe. We bought a URL pass, and we just backpacked all over Europe for three months. And that, that got me hooked on the, on the travel thing. And I've had a, a serious case of wanderlust ever since. Um, and I've always, I, I've always enjoyed traveling. And I, I guess when I was working in sales, one of the things that um, uh, 
you know, I, one of the things I liked about it, just like copywriting is you can dic- you know, you can decide how much money you want to make based on how many clients you have and how much, how much, how many sales you make. But the thing was I worked for a company and even though it was kind of my own business in sales, I really was limited to usually about four weeks, maybe five weeks of vacation a year. And I couldn't take that all at once. So I, I do like going on longer vacations, but I was never able to go on a trip that was longer than maybe a week or 10 days. So I wanted to find something that, uh, that allowed me to do that. Um, so I, I guess two things, the big, the travel that I did way back in college. And then another, another thing that really sparked this idea of extended long-term travel was a book that I read a couple of years ago by a guy named Rolf Potts, P-O-T-T-S. It's called Vagabonding. Some people might have oh, heard yeah. of it. Yeah, I've heard of that. But it's a fantastic book. And I think I think I actually first heard about it from Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week. And he mentioned this guy, Rolf Potts, and and this book, Vagabonding, once I read it, I was like, oh man, that's what I gotta do. This guy, and he advocates taking like six, I think his version of extended travel is something that's at least six months. And I haven't quite done that yet, but um, but I've done, you know, two to three month type things. And uh and it, and it made me see that, yeah, it's, it's possible. You don't have to be tied down to one place and you can go and um, it's affordable if you do it in the right way. So those two things, that book really sold me on the idea and uh, just having a love for travel. Where have you taken th- these longer term vacations so far? Well, we started out when I first finally was able to do this five years ago. Uh, we went to, we spent three weeks in Nigeria visiting my wife's family. That was my, that was kind of my first test run on taking my work with me on a trip longer than a week or so. So you went all out. You didn't just go to <laughs> Chicago. You didn't go to San Francisco. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we, uh, you know, we, we went to Africa, you know, we went to West Africa and, um, and, uh, and that was just a, it completely different. I've traveled a lot, but I'll tell you, Ed, that was a different experience than anything I had ever done and probably will ever do in the future. But here's the thing. I took my laptop and even in Nigeria, my people might have different visions of what Africa is like, but even in Nigeria, I had Wi-Fi at the place I was at one. We, we stayed in two different places. One of the places had Wi-Fi and the other times when I didn't, there were internet cafes all over. So even in what people might consider a third world country in West Africa, um, a world away from here, you can, you're connected. And, uh, and, and surprisingly, this is a different note too, but I would say there's more people that have cell phones in Nigeria than there are in the United States, believe it or not. Everybody has a cell phone. So everybody's connected. They have Wi-Fi just like we do. And that's all you need. If you have a laptop, you have Wi-Fi, you can do your work if, if, if you're a writer, if you're a, a copywriter. So, so that was my first, um, and when you went there to uh, three weeks, did you do any work? I did. I did. I had a, in fact, I had just taken on, um, my first big web website project. So this was only about six months after I had gone into this full time and I had my first, what I would consider a big project. It was like a $1,600 website project, which at that time was a pretty big project to me. And so I had to get this done while I was gone. It was, uh, you know, I, it was due, you know, when I, before I got back. So yeah, I had work. And so pretty much I just worked on that one project while I was gone, but, um, 
but yeah, I took my work with me. In fact, on all these trips that I'll tell you about too, I, I've taken work with me, I'd say on pretty much every trip I've gone on. Okay. Okay. So, so where did it go from there? After that trip, you mean other things? Yeah. Um, well, three years ago I had, um, I'd been reading international living and, uh, it's a, it's a publication that advocates, you know, possibly moving to other countries because they're more affordable and stuff like that. Well, I had been reading a lot about Ecuador down in South America. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to put this to the test a little bit further. So we spent, this was in the summer when my kids were off of school. Um, I took my, I have four kids and we, we went down to Ecuador and spent a month down there in the summer. And that was the summer of 2011. And uh, that was a little bit longer of a trip. And same thing. I took my work with me and did actually quite a bit of work while I was down there. And I've always found that I've, I don't know, I've, I've, it's something about being surrounded by just inspired, being in an inspiring place and just a beautiful place and a different location. I've always been, I think, a little bit more creative and productive when I've traveled than I actually am sitting in my office at home. Um, but on that particular trip, even though I did a lot of work, most of my clients didn't know that I was gone. I didn't announce it to them. And at that point, I had some retainer clients that I was mostly communicating with by email. So I didn't have to do it. So I didn't have to worry about phone calls and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't think I even told anybody that I was in Ecuador except for one client and, uh, and everything just went very smoothly. They didn't know I was gone. I delivered the work by email the way I do at home and, um, just kept up my normal routine. So it, uh, it was like, wow, I can, I can do this. So, (laughs) so of course now I've got, and I, we went back this summer. I'll tell you about that in a second, but so, but it made that, that, that was the trip that made me realize, you know what, you can really do this type of work. Anybody that's a freelance writer, I don't care, you know, obviously a travel writer can go anywhere, but you know, any, any kind of freelance writer, uh, a content marketer, a copywriter, an internet marketer. You can do this. You can do this type of work from, from anywhere in the world. And um, it's just not as hard as you think. It's a mindset. And I'll talk about that later too, but it's just more of a mindset than it is logistics, I think. So it, it, in so let, let's talk about the, the, the last trip because it's, just, it's been very recent. And yeah, tell yeah. us how you took that to the next level this year. Yeah. So this year, Ed, I, I decided, you know, I'm going to make this a little bit longer. Um, so we went for a month last time and this year we spent nine weeks in Ecuador. And if it, if it was up to me, I, w- I would still be there, but uh, my kids are kind of, uh, they're, they're in school. We don't homeschool. They go to a, they go to a regular school and uh, obviously I can't take them out of school for extended times, but if it was up to me, I'd, st- <laughs> I would still be down there, but we went for nine weeks. So Two days after they got out of school in June, we headed down to Ecuador and I had set this up. And this is something that's pretty easy these days to setting up living situations. If somebody, if anyone's thinking, well, gosh, this must be expensive staying in hotels and stuff. Um, it's really not. We got an apartment for the whole time, which I got on Airbnb. And um, so we went down there. The very first day I was down there, which was a Sunday, we got to Ecuador at 5.30 in the morning on a Sunday morning, got picked up at the airport. He took us to our apartment, which I had already booked. And by, I'd say, 10 o'clock that morning, I was set up with my laptop, the internet connection, my office. Everything was situated 
and I was ready to go. So you rented an apartment and was this your home base the whole time? That was our home base. So we stayed in one place in Quito, the capital of Ecuador for nine weeks. But from there, we did do extended trips for up to three or four days to other parts of the country. So we traveled all over the country, but basically every other week I would take a trip. So I'd stay at our home base for a week. And then the next week we'd, we'd maybe leave on a Tuesday and come back on a Thursday or Friday and we'd go to different parts of the country. So we headed South, we headed West, we headed North and uh, really explored quite a bit. So t- tell me a little bit about uh, a typical day, a typical day this summer. And let's just do two different days. Let's start with a typical day where you're doing work and, and then actually give me the other half. So your family, what they would do when you were working. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I, I had an office, a separate office from the other bedrooms and stuff. Um, but I would get up early. I'd get up with the sun at six o'clock, six thirty, and I would just jump right on my computer and start doing whatever project I was working on. And I would, I would try to get in about two to three hours of good writing every morning. So a lot of times my kids weren't even up until nine o'clock or so. And I would already have a good three hours of writing in. And some days that was, that's all I did. Um, but, um, if I needed to do more, I'd do more, but typically write for about three hours in the morning, then they'd get up and then we would just head out we'd head out exploring. We'd just, you know, hop in a cab or go walking to the park or something. And this wasn't like, um, it wasn't like nonstop adventure. I mean, I, we did some really cool stuff, but it wasn't like every day it was like a thrill a minute. A lot of it was just kind of quiet downtime, just family time where we'd just hang out in the park. We'd go play bat. My son and I would go play basketball in the park, or we'd go to a cafe and hang out for a while, or, you know, just exploring the city. So, um, a lot of it, the family time was just, you know, during the day. And then in the evening I would come back and then generally from maybe seven o'clock till 10, 11 o'clock at night, I would get back to my work. And, um, and, and at that time too, in the evening is generally when I would do a lot of my, um, Google hangouts. Cause I, I do talk to a lot of people nowadays, other colleagues and, uh, and sometimes clients too, but I would do a lot of my uh, phone work by Google Hangout or Skype in the evening. So, I mean, I was still putting in six, seven, sometimes eight hour days, but I also had the, the bulk of time during the day with my family. And I joke with people that, you know, my wife and I, we were with each other 24 hours a day, seven days a week for nine weeks. And my kids were all together and we all still like each other and my wife and I are still married. And <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it was really, for me, one of the goals of this trip was to kind of get the kids out of their normal summer environment where everybody's heading off in different directions and nobody sees each other and everybody's got their own activities. And, and we just really focused on spending time together as a family. And that was, that was pretty cool. So you don't have to name all the ages, but what's the age range of, of your kids? Yeah. Um, well I have, uh, right now 11, 13, 15, and, um, my oldest son is 18. And on this particular trip, he was not with us because he had a, he had a job and he had activities that he was involved in. So he, he did not come, but my 11, 13 and 15 year old kids were with me on this trip. Which is, those are great ages, right? So they're, they're old enough to really appreciate things. They're, uh, 
you know, they're not on a diaper and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a little easier when they're a little older. I, I would say there's an in-between age, you know, when they're not real young, when they're old enough to appreciate things. But um, I'm thinking that another year or two, this might not work quite as well when they're all like teenagers <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're going to want to be with their friends more and stuff like that. So I think this was the perfect time. And I don't know, it might have been the last time that I had a chance exactly like this where they didn't mind just being with each other the whole time. So you mentioned one of the biggest highlights, at least for me, and I'm, I know you're a family man and for you, which is, hey, you guys were together, spent a lot of quality time together, had adventures together. What what were some of the other highlights of this of this past trip? Um, well, a couple of things. We, uh, we spent a few days in the uh, Amazon River Basin area uh, where we had, you know, no connection whatsoever to the outside world, no cell phones, no electricity, nothing. And that was pretty cool, just being totally off the grid and into these areas where they're just, I mean, they're living very primitively and, and just, and seeing this just natural beauty of the rainforest in that area. That was pretty cool. Uh, we, we, Hiked, we did this hike. There's this volcanic uh, crater, and supposedly it's the largest inhabited crater. It's not an active volcano, but it's supposedly the largest inhabited volcanic crater in the world. And we hike, hiked down into it, and they actually have a hostel down below in the in the crater where you can stay overnight. So we did that. So we just stayed two days, one night in this uh, vol- volcanic crater. And we were the only guests at this place. So <laughs> that should have told you something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We had the place to ourselves, but this is, this is funny. We now in this particular place, we actually did have, I, I, uh, we had our, I had my iPad along and stuff. I actually had Wi-Fi access in the, in the bottom of this crater of the volcano. So all right, we- that's, that's a first right there. <laughs> that's the most extreme internet I've ever heard of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that was pretty cool. And then we did, you know, we did some hiking in the Andes mountains. We went to the coast, we went to the Pacific coast and saw the beach. So really we saw, um, a lot of the country and, uh, just a little side trivia bit is that, uh, Ecuador is the most biodiverse country in the world, which means it has the most, uh, the most highest number of different plant and animal species and different types of climate per square mile than anywhere else on the planet. So it's a pretty cool country to explore. So along those lines, tell me a little bit about affordability costs, because you had mentioned that a couple of times about how it's not as costly as you might think. Yeah. Ecuador. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I, I think that I actually save, well, maybe not with the plane cost, but I, 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 I estimate Ed, that I probably spend less money when I'm in Ecuador on vacation than I would back home just on normal things. And give you a couple examples. Um, one, I was able to shut off my phone and internet service at home. Um, the utilities went down to almost nothing. I could have rented my house, but I didn't. But but I also shut off my car insurance because I wasn't using my car insurance for two months. Um, wasn't using cars for, for nine weeks. So I didn't have the gas and all the expenses of having two cars for nine weeks. Um, so in a lot of ways, just not having the normal expenses at home saves money, but Ecuador happens to be a pretty inexpensive country as well. And they actually use the U S dollar down there. There's five countries around the world that use the U S dollar as their currency. They're one of them. And it's amazingly inexpensive and it just has to do with their 
just their economy and the fact that it's just not a, they don't have the infrastructure and the economy that we do, but things are ex- inexpensive. To give you an example, a gallon of gas is a dollar forty-eight. Per, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a few years here in the United States since we've had that kind of gas. And, uh, you know, we could go out to dinner. The five of us could go out to dinner, have a have a three-course meal with salad, soup, main dish, dessert, drink, everything. And the whole, the total would be like $12, $13 for all five of us. So, I mean, just very, very inexpensive. You could take a cab from one end of the city to the other for $2. And that's how we got around for, for nine weeks was by cab or walking. Um, so it's a very inexpensive country. We also went into Colombia, which is another inexpensive country. So if somebody is looking to do this long-term, uh, long-term travel, there are good places to go and there's, you know, not as inexpensive places to go. I, my son and I took just an eight day trip last year to Iceland and Greenland, and that would not be the place to go for an extended travel because it's super expensive. Um, you know, Paris wouldn't be the most inexpensive place in the world to go for an extended trip. But but there are places around the globe that, aside from the plane ticket getting there, you know, you can actually save money by not having your normal expenses at home. Tell me a little bit about the logistical and practical kind of everyday aspects of of being overseas for nine weeks when you're running a business. So and specifically I'm I'm talking about you've already mentioned client calls, but yes. um getting paid, uh prospecting for clients. Maybe you, you didn't have to, maybe your work was steady. Um, but you know, following up, uh, getting things done, kind of scheduling all those sure, things, sure. That, uh, you know, at least in my mind would be a little bit more challenging if I'm not home. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I, I first of all, I, before I get into the logistics, I would say one of the biggest challenges of being away and being in a fun place, an inspiring place and a place that you want to explore is that. Um, it can be a challenge focusing on your work. Um, I, I know that when I'm gone, I want to spend, I love traveling. I love seeing things and exploring. I want to spend all my time exploring and, and, and doing the fun stuff, but, but obviously I need to work too. So these aren't vacations where I'm just putting aside my work. Um, but in a way it's, I, I think it's actually easier because I didn't have all the distractions of home. The, you know, I didn't have, my phone wasn't ringing, there was nobody knocking at my door. I didn't have any physical appointments where I had to go to see, to meet with somebody. I had no meetings whatsoever. So I got into a very productive routine, kind of like I alluded to a little bit of my routine, but I probably got more done while I was there on vacation than any time I've been at home. Um, so and, and, and as far as other challenges, you'd think that the technical stuff would be a challenge, but um, I've actually had more technical glitches at home on, on my desktop computer than on the road with my laptop. So maybe I've been lucky. But as far as getting paid and things like that, oh, I use PayPal. So my most of my clients pay me by PayPal, and that's hooked up to my business account. So, you know, I'd send the invoice by email or by PayPal. People would pay the invoice. That's hooked up to my business account. I'd transfer it into my business account. Then if I needed to transfer that online through my bank to my personal account, and then I'd go to the ATM and take out money, just like you would here. Um, For people that write checks, I do have some clients that do still pay with checks. Um, I I actually have somebody get my mail at home, and I just leave them pre-written out deposit slips 
with a stamp and an envelope to my bank and they just mail them. So I had a couple, I had a few checks come in while I was gone and I had a friend of mine just send those to my bank. Um, my personal bills, as far as that goes, I pay everything online. I've been doing that for a long time. So I can't remember the last time I actually mailed a, a bill anywhere, uh, a check anywhere for a bill. So, you know, again, with, with everything being online these days, it's pretty easy to um, get paid. And, and again, with having reliable internet, pretty much, you know, pretty much the entire world is connected these days. Um, and very reliably, right? Good, great yeah, speed. yeah, yeah, very reliable internet. One of the things I did check on um, with the apartment that we got at Air, through Airbnb was I, I, I communicated with the, the landlord before we went down there and I wanted to make absolute certain that they had high speed Wi-Fi and that it was reliable. And she assured me it was. I, I, I passed on a couple places that would have been cheaper because I wasn't so confident that that was going to be the case. But um, so that is absolutely crucial when you go somewhere to have reliable internet. But in the few cases that have been places where it wasn't, um, there's, there's internet cafe. And and this is such a cool thing too. Everywhere I've traveled, they have internet, there's internet cafes and we don't really have them here in this country. I mean, I guess what people consider an internet cafe here would be, a coffee shop because Starbucks and every coffee shop has Wi-Fi, but they actually have what they call internet cafes around the world. And they do in Ecuador where you just pop in and there's like a whole, maybe a bank of 20 or 30 computers and you just pay by the hour. So, and that's pretty inexpensive too, for about a buck an hour, you can hop on a computer, use the internet and do whatever you need to do. Um, Oh, you mentioned prospecting for clients too. Um, I can't, talk to that because I didn't really, I haven't, when I've been gone, I haven't really been prospecting for clients Ed. So I have to admit that that's something that I have not tested. I really don't. Um, at this point in my business, I don't necessarily do much prospecting anyways, when I'm at home, people kind of find me, it seems like I get more, a lot of my inquiries just as a result of, uh, referrals from other copywriters or past clients, um, or people finding me online from articles I've written or blog posts or, or interviews like this. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank, and it's, so thank you. <laughs> well, it's that's you're you're a smart guy, and it sounds like you have uh, you know that this is the right time for you because your business has gotten to a place where you know most of it comes your way, and yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that a lot of your clients are also repeat clients. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, I do get new, I, I do take on new clients and I do, you know, probably once a month, I maybe do something new for somebody new. But um, yeah, for the most part, I'm doing things for people that I've worked with in the past. And, you know, having done it for five and a half years now, you know, if I do need to drum up business, and I guess I, I, I guess I shouldn't say that I've never prospected for clients once in a while, if I've got a slow week, um, there was a week this summer where all of a sudden my schedule was clear and I had finished a project, didn't have anything on my plate. And I'm like, Hmm, I need to, I need to stir up some, rustle up some business here. All I did was just send out, you know, a few emails to people that I'd worked with before and just said, Hey, I've got some, an opening in my schedule that was unexpected. And uh, if you need anything, let me know. And I was able to get two small projects that way. So, um, so I've done a little bit of that, but informal prospecting, not like, not like mass marketing type of stuff. My takeaway from that is if you're at a point in your business, let's say you've only been at it a year or so, uh, you know, you may want to wait at least on an, an extended trip 
until yeah. you're at a point, right, where you can comfortably leave the country yeah. and not have to worry about where your next project project is going to come from. I would, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. If you're, if you're fairly new and your schedule isn't booked up yet, or if, if you're not at least, I'd say half booked up with your schedule of clients, um, then I, then I, yeah, definitely I would wait. But on the other hand, I would, I would also tell people that you don't have to be, you don't necessarily have to be making huge money either. When I started doing this, I was not by any means a six figure copywriter, but I did have a few steady clients and I was making enough that I could afford to go on the trip and still, you know, and make it happen. But so I guess I would, I would say on the other hand, Ed, that, um, that people shouldn't wait until don't wait, don't wait five years until, you know, until you're making the kind of money that you want to be making, you know, say six figures or whatever. Um, I think if, I think if somebody's making, you know, honestly, if somebody's making 30, 40,000 a year and they want to do this, I, I think you can do it. So tell me about your kids and what they thought of the experience, both your kids and your wife, I should, I should ask. Yeah. Well, I, I have to, uh, say I'm extremely grateful that I have a wife who just goes with the flow and she just goes <laughs> whatever whatever thing I'm dreaming up next she's like okay we'll do it you know so she just goes with the flow and lets me pick where we're going to go next and stuff like that and the kids for the most part have have really really enjoyed it they absolutely love it um and they don't they don't think it's unusual because we've been doing it for a while now and they were fairly young when we started flying across the, across the ocean and stuff like that. So they think it's kind of normal to take a, a four week or nine week trip. And, um, and they like these offbeat places. I mean, we've stayed in everywhere from a, a hut in the Amazon without running water or electricity to four star places. So, and everything in between. So, but I, I think more than anything, you know, they're seeing the world at a young age and, I think I'm instilling in them an appreciation for other cultures, other people. And, uh, you know, wherever we go, we just, we try to fit in as much as possible too. I took, I took some pride in the fact that this summer in Ecuador, most people actually couldn't guess where we were from. They didn't immediately label us as, Oh, you guys are Americans. You're from the United States. Um, you know, we speak Spanish and, um, not fluently, but I speak well enough that people couldn't detect where my accent was from. And, and we just try to fit in. So I like traveling where you can kind of, get immersed in the culture a little bit and not travel so much as just a tourist checking off things to see on your list. So where, where are you going next? Is it Ecuador or are you trying <laughs> somewhere? Cause I know you're, you're already planning your next trip. I know enough <laughs> about you to know that. <laughs> well, two things. I mean, one, I do want to get back to Ecuador and hopefully it'll be next year. I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. I do want to actually buy a place down there because real estate's pretty inexpensive. I want to sometime in the next couple of years, I want to buy a place down there so that I can go down there whenever I want and rent it out when I'm not there. But um, my next definite trip is next April. I'm going to be spending a month in Paris. I know I mentioned earlier that Paris is not a cheap place and it's not, but I'm finding a, a way to do it on a, on a budget. So I'm spending a month in Paris. I'm going to be renting a whole house for the month and working there. Um, I'm going to be actually be conducting a couple tours for other people while I'm there. So I'm going to be bringing other people in and doing some, uh, tours while I'm there, but it's, it's my favorite city in the whole world. And I just, I can't wait to be there. So that'll be my next one for a month. And at some point, you know, I'm going to try the whole six month thing somewhere too. So let me ask you, are there different flavors of this idea? And here's why I ask, right? You, uh, in a way are taking kind of the, 
stereotypical, and I don't mean that in a negative way, right? But the, the stereotypical kind of overseas trip, somewhere exotic, somewhere different. You right. got kids. I, I love that. But your kids are, as we discussed, at a good age for that. But, you know, what about parents who, um, or, or families that maybe would find that very difficult? Let's say their kids are a lot younger. Um, they have other challenges. I mean, what if somebody doesn't feel comfortable going overseas? Um, you know, do you, do you think it's worth exploring ideas in terms of staying in your country and, and doing something like this? Oh, mo- most definitely. Absolutely. Um, you don't, yeah, you don't have to. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe doing it you know, one step further, but yeah, you don't have to leave the country at all. I don't think you have to go for weeks or months at a time. Even, um, I think taking a week and staying in a cabin in the woods is cool or finding a good deal. Like I said, on Airbnb or, you know, um, VRBO.com and staying in someone's apartment, you know, you could go, here's the thing, you know, people, um, you could go to New York city or Washington DC for a week with your, with your family and your kids stay in someone's house or apartment and explore it a little bit differently than, you know, just staying in a hotel and in more inexpensively probably too. But, um, so yeah, I think, I think definitely doing it, you know, in shorter ways and staying within the country is, is cool. The thing is I, what I, the, the, one of the big benefits, and I don't know if I've gotten this across, but, um, one of the big benefits that I find of doing this. And one of the reasons I like traveling is not just traveling for the sake of traveling, but for the purpose of work, I, I, I have always found that I'm more creative and I'm more productive when I travel. I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know why that is, but I just get more done. And part of it is I'm just, I'm, I'm motivated to make money while I'm gone. Cause I'm like, okay, I know I'm spending a little bit of money and uh, I want to make money while I'm here and just to prove that I can do it. But yeah, I think, um, I'll give you an example too. Next summer, we want to take a road trip out West. My, you know, we've, we've been around the world, but my kids have never seen a lot of this stuff out West. We haven't been to, we've been to the Grand Canyon, but they haven't seen like Yellowstone or Yosemite or some of these great national parks out West. So we want to take a month and just travel around the whole Western United States and make a big loop driving, maybe rent an RV, that kind of thing. But um, so I think that kind of thing is a good way to test it too, because you know you're going to have the infrastructure and the the accessibility of being here in the United States, the phone access, the internet access, all that kind of stuff. Um, so th- I think that's a good way to test it too. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think people should just do what what fits their needs, but um, but test it out and just keep expanding your your thinking on that. So who would you say this lifestyle is for, and who it might not be for? Well, you know, first of all, you have to enjoy traveling, of, of course. Um, you have to, I, I think you have to have a certain sense of detachment from the comforts of home. So even if you travel in style, I mean, I, I don't know, you got to have a little bit of a sense of detachment. I mean that in a good way. Just, um, you know, can you leave your friends and neighbors back home for weeks at a time? Can you live without your car or your motorcycle? Can you live... Um, without your daily Starbucks habit, you know, I guess you have to, it has to be for people that are a little bit, uh, you know, flexible with their routine and don't, don't necessarily need that rigid structure of a a work, of a work setting. Um, and, and I think most freelancers and you work, you, you work with freelancers. So the people we're talking to here, I think are probably more 
prone to this and more open to this than the typical nine to five job type person. But you got to be willing to change your routine, um, be willing to go with the flow, because even though I've made it maybe sound pretty easy, it, it isn't always smooth sailing. I'm not telling you all the, um, the stories about when things have gone wrong, because those have happened too. But but I'd say it, it's a mindset more than anything. You have to want to explore the world and see new things. It's it's interesting. A lot of times we, we talk to people that say, oh, I wish I could do that. And, um, and my, my, my answer to that is you can, you know, it isn't about the money. It's about really your priorities and your choices and just the lifestyle that you want to make. So I think, I think people can do it, whether they've, and in fact, I've seen more people do it that aren't super wealthy than people that are wealthy and have the means to do it. But they don't have the right mindset for it. Well, when, when you have to really think about it, right, you have to become resourceful. And uh, I think yeah. it's an amazing um, skill to develop because that will serve you in so many ways. So um, I totally see that, man. And this is so inspirational. I, you know, I love to travel. I think one thing that's kept us from, from doing something like this, part of it, honestly, is just I haven't given it any thought, you know, until yeah. I saw you yeah. do this this summer. I had never, it never even crossed my mind. Another <laughs> yeah. more of a practical uh, item, but this is, this is a short-term thing is we have a three-year-old and yeah, he's extremely yeah. active um, and he's not easy to travel with, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? There, there are ways around this and yeah. what you've basically taught me here today is that you have to think about it a little bit more creatively. Maybe it's not Ecuador. I mean, I don't. I, I would encourage people not to try to copy exactly right, what you've right. done. What you've yep. done is for you. It's right for you. Yep. It may not be right for somebody else, but the question is, okay, what would be right for you? If this idea appeals to you, what version or what flavor of this would be right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think it's any kind of, it's not a cookie cutter approach or don't, yeah, I don't think somebody should like, try to model what I've done. Exactly. You know, I, I looked at other people that were traveling and, uh, I, there was a guy that I, a copywriter that I knew and, uh, he had been traveling in Southeast Asia and traveling in like Cambodia and Vietnam and Thailand. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But I have no desire to see those areas, but maybe I could take that approach and do it down in South America. Or somebody could look at what I'm doing and say, Hey, you know what, let's just, Hey, maybe we could stay in a cabin out in Colorado for a few weeks this summer and try this idea out. So, um, I think what the, the one thing that I've, that I try to do both at home and on the road is I kind of interweave my, my work and my life. And, uh, and I, I don't want to be one of the, I don't want to be one of these people where, okay, now I, I don't compartmentalize things as much as maybe most people do. Um, I, I can write just as well, um, on a bench up in a mountain in the Andes with my journal as I can in my office. So I'm, I'm, to me, I love my work and I love what I do. So I'm always kind of thinking of ideas. I'm always, you know, writing down little ideas for my next blog post or a big idea for a client project or something like that. So, um, when I'm traveling, it's like, it's kind of a, a melding of my work and traveling and having fun and being productive and being creative and all those things thrown into a big, into a big ball. Man, that's fantastic. So Steve, before we sign off, tell us where we can learn more about you. Where can people connect with you and tell us about the copywriters cafe? Yeah, the, the copywriter cafe. So I mentioned that I work for clients and I do a lot of copywriting work for clients. That's actually about half of 
the way I spend my time these days. The other half is uh, about two years ago, I started this group called the copywritercafe.com. Um, so that's where people can find me, copywritercafe.com. But uh, it kind of, I, I had seen these, uh, this, there's this uh, bookstore cafe in Paris called the Shakespeare and Company Bookstore. And back in the 1920s, there was a lot of U.S. expatriates that lived in Paris, like uh, Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald and um, different people hung out there. And it was this creative place where people would go and they'd hang out and they'd swap ideas and they'd share ideas and give each other feedback on the writing and stuff. So I thought, hey, let's have a virtual version of that. And that's what the Copywriter Cafe is kind of started as, is this virtual cafe where people can, you know, be in there. And I have a Facebook group too. So if people want to connect with me on Facebook, they can find me and I can add them to the group if they're interested. But it's for writers and it's it's just a lively, friendly place for people to get ideas and advice and encouragement and feedback. And, uh, and then I do some training type stuff too. And uh, I do something that I call the ultimate writing retreat. And I've done six of these so far. And I've got one coming up next week out in Vermont. So I've got 14 people, 13, 14 people, including me, I've got 13 people coming in. So it's just a small intimate retreat that we do for three days where people bring in a writing project, something that they're working on. And uh, one of the things that I help people do is take their their ideas and their copywriting skills and turn it into a profitable business. So not necessarily copywriting training per se, or helping them get more clients, but helping them build a business around something that they're interested in. That, that's fantastic, man. We'll, we'll make sure to include links to both the site and the Facebook page and cool. the, on the Thank show you. notes page. And uh, I encourage everyone to check it out. Get some wonderful things in there. I've, I've been there a few times before and um, yeah, so make sure to check it out guys. And Steve, this has been not only inspiring, but enlightening. <laughs> so thanks for <laughs> good, coming on. Good. Hey, thank you for having me. And I just, I want to thank you too, Ed. I don't know if you remember, but um, I just want to tell people too that, and I want to thank you that uh, it was about a year ago, last August of uh, 2013, that you and I talked on the phone and you were extremely gracious and generous with your time. You gave me an hour of time on the phone when I was trying to kind of figure out a little bit more which direction I was going with my whole business. And you, um, you gave me a lot of encouragement and validation that I was on the right path. And I want to thank you for that. And it's just, it's helped my business tremendously just having that validation from you, somebody that I highly respect in the industry. And uh, so I just want to thank you for that and the opportunity today to be here. Oh man, it's it's my pleasure. And, and thanks for that. Yeah, I remember that call very well. And uh, it's just inspiring to see you take action and do some really, really cool things that make you come alive. I can sense that. So th- thanks again, Steve. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed learning from Steve. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we would love to hear from you. Go to the show notes page and let us know a couple of things. First of all, have you tried something like this before? And if not, where would you love to go? You know, if money, time and all these other restrictions that are, you know, unfortunately, many of them are in, are in our head. They're, they're not reality or there's there's at least a way to work around them. So if there are no obstacles. Where would you go? Where would you do this? And, and don't shoot down any ideas. Let your imagination run wild and name your dream working vacation spots. 
So let us know in the comment section. Again, b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 61. If you enjoyed this episode, if you know someone who could really get something out of this, I'd be very grateful if you shared it with friends. And the easiest way to do that is just to use any of the social media sharing buttons that you'll see right there on the show notes page I just gave you. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Again, I am your host, Ed Gandia. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an awesome day. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.